2: Hello, welcome to Monday afternoon. Thanks for watching AusBiz Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company on a Monday afternoon and kicking off the week with a brand new episode of The Call, 10 stocks, two experts, 60 minutes as we get through them all. And uh, a very big welcome to, I reckon, have to be one of my favorite teams, Sumit Somersandaram from uh, Blue Ocean Equities. Nathan, how are you? Good weekend.
1: Yes, uh, had too much unhealthy food.
2: Yep, excellent, excellent. And uh, always, mothers in our happy Mother's Day to all the mums from yesterday as well. And Gaurav Sodi from InvestSmart joins me now. Uh, Gaurav, uh, welcome back to the call. Good to have you here. Thanks, David. Hi, Nathan. Nice to see you both. Um, Nathan was just bemoaning the fact with social isolating now. Uh, the two of them can't have coffee together uh, <laughs> during the week. So that's how close this team is. But um, friendliness doesn't mean they don't pull any punches. If they disagree with each other's um, analysis of stocks, they are very upfront in um, in coming through with their opinions. And that's why we love the call and this team in particular. So let's get straight into it. Our, our stock of the day, Gaurav, um, a stock that's, in the news at the moment, Cochlear uh, had announced today its sales down 60% in April, due to the deferral of elective surgery. Also recently raised $1.1 billion from institution and, uh, and retail shareholders. They, who would have thought Cochlear even saying they're going on the JobKeeper uh, program as well to get some support uh, for their staff. Has this, the news today changed your opinion of Cochlear? David, I know what
0: I'm supposed to say here. The The script is that Cochlear is a wonderful business and that we should hold it and buy it and hold it forever. But I'm going to deviate a little bit from that script because um, we actually slapped a cell on Cochlear in February. We haven't held it in our funds for years. And um, I, I just, I don't think... This is as attractive as people think it is. Um, this is no CSL. For me, CSL is the benchmark um, when it comes to health stocks. And there's a lot of competition for Cochlear. I mean, um, the growth rates are pretty slow. I question how large the ultimate market really is. And you're paying a very big multiple for this business. Um, it's a good business. It's not a poor quality. It's a, it's a high quality business. But this is not a stock to fall in love with or to hold at any price. And even at these prices, at best, it's fair value and mildly expensive. In this kind of environment, um, I, I would not be holding on to Cochlear. Okay. There are better opportunities.
2: Nathan, um, G- Gorad's um, almost committed heresy, uh, yeah, hasn't he? Well, uh, he's uh, a... Everyone loves Cochlear.
1: I know. Uh, but look, he's a value investor. I can see where he comes from. Um, look, I'll agree with the concept that this hasn't been as good as some of the other um, healthcare stocks. Yep. Um, this is no CSL. Let's put it that way. They've downgraded multiple times. And the market has forgiven it. Unfortunately, i I'll agree, disagree on on the. I mean, I agree with him on the concept of what it is. Yep. But I disagree on what I think the market will do. Um, I agree that it's not a high quality business. It shouldn't have the multiples it has had in the past. But unfortunately, the market is very myopic in this thing. When it's healthcare, they forgive a lot, and right. for the quality of the business, they'll go forgive even more. Now, Cochlear will should come back when, when the market pulls back next, which I think inevitably from here, I can't see the market going too far. So when it pulls back, there will be a pullback in Cochlear because it's probably one of the, uh, right. the I suppose the le- least quality ones. Right. Um, but it's had issues. It'll come back if it comes back around 160, 170 dollars. I'm a buyer of the stock, right? Simply because it is a high quality business and the it is the only sector in Australia that outperforms the US counterpart, which is healthcare. Oh. So Cochlear, because it's a big boy in a good sector, it'll yeah. get rated by the global investors, it'll go up. Not because I like it, because it will. Right. So if you look at historical trends, what the multiples and where the currency plays up, when the currency runs up, inevitably after a crash, if you remember yep. GFC, Aussie dollar ran from 60 cents to 90 cents. It'll happen again. Uh, US will come back, there's yep. a lot more issues in US. And that'll take a long time to clear up so when the yeah. currency trade flips um and cochlear will see benefit when aussie dollar runs up people want to buy the aussie exposure and healthcare sector benefits out of it so okay. it will come back with the market that's a buying opportunity
2: okay around 170 okay all right uh let's just get just, yep sorry to
0: just, just some context with cochlear um it's trading it twice the multiple twice of Sonova, which is a big competitor. Mm. There's a Chinese competitor now who is fiercely competing both in terms of price, possible access and technology with Cochlear. This is still the market leader, Mm. but sometimes being the market leader is not winning the prize, it's having a target on your back. And I think that's the case here. We have a a saying in our office, You know, we we walk around often saying, um, it's not what you don't know that gets you into trouble, it's what you know for sure that just doesn't turn out to be the case. And there's so much certainty surrounding Cochlear. Everyone is sure it's a bulletproof business. I, th- I think there's rooms for cracks in that certainty.
2: Okay. All right. Let's move on to our uh, top 10 stocks that you've suggested through to us for for today. And um, first up, Nathan, Data3, information technology company links to Microsoft.
1: Yeah. Oh, look, it's it's been one of the better performers Um, it came back with the market uh, on the pullback it's recovered Um, look i I like the business Uh, it's been a very good performer through time Um, and i have to say there's a lot to like about it but it's expensive it is not one i would be chasing right now Um, if if it comes back with the market um, then i would be looking at it Um, where it is now i i would like to see it come back to around the uh, i suppose below three dollars for right. me to jump on yep. um, at this point it's you pricing in way too much as with most tech stocks um, this is a high quality one it should deserves to be up there but it is a small cap so when the markets pull back small caps tend to fall a lot more so i think there's a risk that it comes off and that's when i would buy into it
2: okay gaurav target
1: three
0: Look, it's not one I've spent a lot of time with Um, this. There is a a large sector on the ASX that deals with these um, technology services providers. And I find it just very difficult to analyze. It's a bit of a black box. They're they're a collection of individuals who go in and do um, installations or consulting work for large corporates. And you don't really know the, the tenure of those contracts, the margins they're making on those contracts. The best you can say about them is that they've got a, a good track record of implementing them. The, the profits look pretty good, but they don't correlate with cash flows either. So, uh, you know, I, I think there are um, there's contract accounting at work here as well. You want to be just a bit careful about how you treat multiples in a business like this. Um, fundamentally, I think the big problem here is it is hard to identify what is the advantage in this business. Um, I, I think it's hard to analyze. It, it's not really my cup of tea. Um, Look, it's nothing wrong with it. Um, it. It looks good, but I think trying to get an edge as an outsider in this company is really difficult. It, it's it's really um, I put this one in the too hard basket for me.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah, you All need right. you need the discount in the multiple to go into a stock like this. And Graf's yes, right. I mean, the, probably the better one with a lot more uh, government-oriented contracts is technology one. Right. And that's trading at ridiculous multiples now. Yeah. It's run uh, yeah. too hard. Uh, And so you can see where the security and the lack of security, this is probably not as high quality as a technology one, but as he said, they've executed well. And that's what you're going with. Um, And, you know, from my background working in technology, what I know is when economy gets into a tough time, people very rarely change any service provider. It's just too hard. People are yep. worried about their jobs; they don't care about making any changes. So, yep. most of the contracts likely over the next six to 12 months will hang around as long as their clients. So, it'll be help. sticky.
2: Yep. All right. Our, uh, our second stock, Goro, the uh, credit corp, uh, um, uh, sort of a collection agency, uh, uh, a buyer of corporate debt, basically, is yeah. that.
0: Yeah, that's right. So these guys go out and buy um, other people's debts and they do all the hard work of trying to um, uh, chase them up and get um, get, get late debtors to, to pay up. Um, so the, the model is very simple. They buy debt at um, at you know, at 10 or 20 cents in the dollar and they try and collect sort of 50 or 60 cents in the dollar and, and they try and, and keep the margin. Um, key to this business is a very strong um, discipline and risk You can actually make your profits almost whatever you like um, with your discretionary activity. So your level of profits really depends on how much stuff you buy and the size of your balance sheet. And it takes a remarkably disciplined and good quality management to retain a risk culture. Um, I think Credit Corp can take credit for having a long track record of doing that very well. Um, A couple of its competitors have recently blown up, and I think that augurs very well for its ability to buy well-priced debt. And I think the opportunity to buy well-priced debt um, at this time of the cycle is very good as well. I actually think this looks quite interesting, David. I I think this is a really good opportunity at the moment. It's jumped a long way, but I still think that there's ample room to grow here. Expanding into the U.S., and there's lots of opportunity. There's a couple of other side businesses they can add to their core business as well at um, a reasonable margin. But I'd be wanting to see them stick to their primary debt Collecting debt buying business rather than yep. focus on other bits and pieces. With that caveat in place, I think this looks quite interesting. Yeah, um, hey. Nathan, Nathan and I have discussed about it in the past, but I think I suspect we're on the same page today.
2: Oh, okay. Now yeah. a bit of crystal ball gazing from Gorov and a bit of a <laughs> challenge from Nathan. Here, are you on the same page? Because investors would naturally think this is a business that would be under pressure going into a recession because people are unlikely uh, there'll be a lot of defaults sure. so they take on extra risk but they also get better pricing don't they
1: yeah um graham's right um i think the overall thematic we're on the same page but yeah. when you look at the multiples and where it's playing you have to be a bit more careful right. now this is a stock was trading um, okay. nearly 40 bucks um only a few months ago Um, When you see the word recession, then you run for the hills, Um, and that's what happened. It fell below $10, and it's now bounced back to $18. Now at around the $18 level, $19 level, it's pretty close to fair value. Now the recession, we are in recession, US is in recession, Europe's in recession. Their two areas are um, US and Australia, uh, predominantly. Their competitors have blown up, Pioneer Credit. Collection houses having issues. So they do have that advantage. So they probably should be trading where they are. But to go higher, you need to have clarity in the US economy. And you know, if you look at any metric, their unemployment is going to remain relatively elevated for a number of years. Yep. It's going to weigh on them. Risk is high. So would you pay a premium for this stock? Probably not. Right. Uh, I don't think it's a, It's when it was 30 bucks, it was a no-brainer sell. Yep. Uh, but below 10 bucks it was cheap where it is now you're just not getting the uh discount for the risk you're taking right so i'm not a buyer here right. but if it gets back to the low tens probably 10 to 15 or probably closer to ten dollars
2: yeah
1: i would be getting into the stock.
2: okay um
1: gaurab this theory i have to say here uh,
2: yep
0: I was, I was just gonna say that that Nathan is being such a wuss um he <laughs> always wants to seek he wants, <laughs> I, I think <coughs> the fact that there is a recession, the fact that there is uncertainty, that's the opportunity with this business. Mm. By the time you get certainty, by the time economic conditions are great, it's too late for a stock like this, the time to buy it is, is right where things look difficult for the macro, that's when
1: this kind of business does its best, that's when it gets to work. So the interesting part here is, the market has already priced in a share recovery. That's already in the price. Right. We have actually already paid for a V-shaped recovery. So that's already in the price because the earnings have collapsed for the next couple of years. So even if you ignore 2020 and looked at 2021, we're overpriced. US was already going into recession before the virus. Australia was already going into recession before the virus. The virus just brought it forward. I know there's a lot of political spin, but the data is very clear. The RBA cut rates down to 75 basis points before the virus. That's half the bottom of the GFC. That wasn't because we're doing great. So the reality is, this is not going to be a V-shaped recovery. It's not going to happen over three months, four months. This will be somewhere around nine to 12 months, slow recovery, a lot of debt yeah. that needs to get deleveraged. So is Credit Cope going to suddenly do really well? I don't think so. I think in the yeah. next 12 months, it'll be tough. Yeah. So the, it is a great business. In two years' time, you'll be making money. But that's just too hard for this market. Uh, yeah. that's, that's my take on um, the whole economy. Yep,
2: still sounding like a wuss, I think, <laughs> in, in Gorab's view, but uh, into the um, beauty area, cosmetics, natural cosmetics, BWX owns uh, brands like Sukin, Nourished Life. Um, what do you think of it, Nathan?
1: Um, I'd say it's it was a bit of a market darling before, um, had a great run up, um, then it completely collapsed had a few issues, management change. um, It's had a bit of a recovery. I think you've got to play a bit of the consumer spending worries into it. Um, It is trading at pretty high multiples now. Um, It's been pretty much a bit patchy. Uh, Management track record is a bit questionable. Um, So again, this is where a growth through risk. I think there's, you know, if you're looking at the retail space, I wouldn't be putting... This is more or less a brand retail play. Yep. You know, the top of the tree is A2 Milk. Yep. This is nowhere near that. Yep. Um, so do I pay high multiples for the cycle that it's in? Probably not. I'd rather pay for someone like um, in the retail space with the global play, someone like a Levisa. right? Um, because as the traffic starts to go through, they will tend to do better, and they're much better at responding to the market. So I'd say someone like Labisa or a City Chic or a Super Retail, yeah. tends to play in the retail space a lot better. Or even a Bravo or a Premier gives you a bit more of an exposure. Yeah. I don't think BWX is that good a quality. So okay. that's not the one I'm jumping on.
2: All right. Goran?
1: Yeah, I'm going to disagree here again um, with
0: my friend. And um, we, we actually put a buy on BWX earlier in the year um, at prices only slightly below where they are now. So, um, you know, it's, it's not too far off. Um, where we had a buy on it previously, it looks crazy to, to be buying this. It's 40 times multiple and the management track record, um, as Nathan correctly says, has been pretty awful. But the management team has actually changed and um, it's a lot stronger now than it has been in the past. Um, they've got a opportunity now to grow their Suken brand um, quite strongly. They've, they've increased the points of distribution in the US quite dramatically. They've got over a thousand um, distribution outlets in the US now and there's a big opportunity to sell those brands into the American market. Um, the, one of the things I really like about it is that the margins are actually quite low here. Um, now you might think you want a high-margin business all the time but what they're doing is that they're, they, they're trying to just build out their customer base um, and there's room here. I think this is a business with pricing power that has yet to pull the pricing lever So there's room here to actually um, to pull that pricing lever and to raise prices um, over time. It earns considerably less in terms of margin than its key competitors. And it's not because its gross margins are no good. The gross margins are similar. It just it's taking um, a a lower margin. And it's also um, running a lot of marketing expenses through its income statement. So you've got high marketing um, and a potential for a margin uplift and a huge sell opportunity in the US. I think
2: mm.
0: I, I think the valuation is okay here and I'd be pretty comfortable buying um, at these levels.
2: Okay, so a lot's changed since when you put a buy on it at, st- at the start of the year, the whole world's on it. That still hasn't, hasn't changed your view?
0: No, we, we actually had a, a buy on it, um, I think just as the pandemic was getting oh, underway okay. and the prices right. had fallen back a little bit. Now uh, they fell a lot more. So we made, there's an argument that we were too early, but again, this is a, a, a longer term story and it's a, it's about a building out of a brand rather than trying to pick points yeah. in the cycle. I do agree that as an opportunity, I mean, I mean, we own LaVisa in our funds. We actually don't own BWX in our funds. Um, and I think that's a, a better opportunity, but it's a different kind of business. It's a retailer, whereas this is more of a, a brand builder. Um, and you get different exposures and different mm-hmm. economics um, okay. in that sense. Um, All right. So, uh, but that being said, I still think. This is-
2: All right, a yes and a no on BWX the same with Credit Corp. Uh, our full stock uh, Telstra, uh, big end of the market, Nathan. Are you a Telstra fan?
1: Ah, uh, look, it's boring as anything, um, <laughs> but it is a beneficiary of the the whole work at home yeah. concept and. People have realised how important things are, and Telstra tends to do well when banks have tough times. Right. And I think the banks' tough times are not finished. Uh, they've taken a massive hit, but I think they're still going to remain under pressure. Uh, the Dividends are still uncertain. Um, so the money tends to, especially the retail money, sitting a fair bit in the banks. So if, when you're trying to diversify, Telstra is one of those players that will benefit out of that. Yeah. Um, uh, look, it's not great. I mean, the Foxtel model is pretty much zero worth. Um, and the competition. Um, hasn't really bounced, has it, hasn't. at all? It's just been, bubbling along the bottom. Yeah, it's, it's it's one of those, I'm not saying it's the growth story you want to be buying. I don't think there's much growth at all. Yeah. Um, in, in my view, my humble view, they should be buying something in the media sector to become a telco media player right. uh, because they've got the infrastructure, they've got the customer base. Yeah. They need product to sell through that. So okay. just go buy Channel 9. Take yeah. the streaming, take the... Um, media from Fairfax, everything in one, and yep. then cross-sell things. And okay. you got growth stories, cyclical upside. Yep. But anyway, that aside, yep. um, you're buying Telstra now because not it's not that it's going to shoot the lights out, but it's defensive. If the market falls, it's not going to fall apart, and you're going to pick up a pretty decent yield through the cycle. And okay. then when the market bottoms out, you switch across to growth stories.
2: All right. So a yes from you, but boring. Yeah. All right. Gorev.
0: Just It's amazing to think about what's happened in the last 10 years in terms of technology. We've gone through this revolution in communications and the largest communications stock on the market has done absolutely nothing, gone backwards mm-hmm. if anything. Revenue is down, profits are down, margins are down. It's extraordinary and we've been scathing of this business for a long time. i think there is a buy case building for telstra now and we recently um added it to our portfolios it's and it sits on our buy list we've recently upgraded telstra it's got nothing to do with really um revenues rising but embedded within telstra is um is a very high quality infrastructure business that telstra has teased about splitting out it's it's rolled it's um it's, its data centers, it's, its exchanges, its towers and its um, fiber network, its backhaul that connects all the tower sites, all into one infrastructure business. And I think they're preparing to spin that infrastructure business off. Now in the US, um, there are tower businesses, you know, companies that own mobile towers, masts, where um, network operators attach their, their, um, their, their networks to. And those companies have done extraordinary. They, they're sometimes, uh, American Tower, which is the leader, is worth about $90 billion, the kind of wow. twice the, the multiple the, the valuation of Telstra alone. I think there's a big opportunity to spin out infrastructure and to generate a lot more revenue from the infrastructure business, which has been really just tied into Telstra and not been able to um, earn much in the way of external revenues. A split will also mean that the, the silly dividend policy that Telstra has been running for years can end and that the mobile business and the broadband business can finally access the capital it needs to compete and grow effectively. Um, they've been paying too much in dividends and haven't focused enough on, uh, on providing cash and, and competing uh, aggressively with competitors. So I, I think in preparation for this split, it's worthwhile buying Telstra now. The shares are, are relatively attractive. And I think there's a huge opportunity to generate value from an upcoming split of the business.
2: Okay. Well, that's what I love about the call because I would not have picked either Mason or Gorav <laughs> to have given Telstra a tick. So <laughs> this is what I love. You get blindsided by these guys with really rational arguments that I hadn't thought about before and preparing for a split is you know, a good lead indicator in the, into the stock. But it's remember, done nothing. It,
1: the other positive is, at some point, the government's got to float the NBN.
2: Yeah.
1: Now, if Telstra does put out an infrastructure piece out and splits out, it makes it much easier for that infrastructure to bid on to the NBN. Oh,
2: bid on the NBN, okay, all right. So. Okay, so a good play there in Telstra uh, going forward because there's going to be some restructuring in the industry uh our fifth stock new hope uh coal mining exploration port facilities uh gaurav uh what do you do you like new hope or um, all its stories counter cyclical at the moment
0: yeah look i i can't help but be attracted to contrarian <laughs> ideas and yeah. sometimes you have to hold yourself back and and stop <laughs> yourself being contrarian for the sake of being contrarian So we've done a lot of work on new hope i've spent almost um a year um working on it (laughs) and we own it in our funds um and it's i think it's a buy um it's a it's a really uh well-managed business that has a very long history of buying and selling coal assets um very very well it started off with a coal mine in indonesia in the 80s and uh you know during the um the uh mining boom it, it sold uh, a, a coal mine completely undeveloped, to BHP, for over $2 billion that it had bought for a fraction of that. So it's got a terrific track record. At the moment, it's mining um, in New South Wales, a mine called Bengala, which is about as simple as mining can get. It's literally, David, a hole in the ground with one piece of equipment, a one huge digger in it that just runs 24-7, seven days a week. It's a couple of trucks attached to that, but it's a very simple operation. And that simplicity results in very low costs. And uh, it's a, luckily, it's a high quality thermal coal asset. I think this this asset alone is worth about twice the market cap of the business. Um, oh. And on top of that, you get the option of expanding um, a controversial mine in Queensland, which I think you'd have to say the odds of gaining regulatory approval now are uh, probably higher than they were before. So in terms of pricing, I think this is incredibly attractive. It's got a very clean um, uh, balance sheet. It's got a bit of debt in there, but nothing you can't handle. And a high quality management team with a wonderful track record. Simple geology, simple mining operation. This is about as unattractive as a sector gets. And this is the time, uh, you know, to suck it in and and to buy.
2: Yeah, Nathan, it is an ugly sector. You don't get many people liking coal these days,
1: you? Gura would be licking his lips. (laughs) This is as a disaster as it comes. It's (laughs) had. Basically you just look at the call price and you go, Why? It yeah. just goes down and down and down. It hasn't been. It's the worst performing commodity by a mile of most of the commodities we produce. He is right. It's if that if that commodity turns, this is the one you want to be in. Right. It's you know, Whitehaven's also been smashed, but this is one of the easy operations. You should be doing well. But the commodity hasn't. Um, I'm in the data game you look at the data what you can see yes there's a lot of spin even if China recovers China's probably going to be the best at recovering compared to anyone else around the world at least for the next six months Um, Call hasn't been one of the performers even before so I don't expect it to be the performer after this so there's a time I, I just don't know what catalyst you're driving at so for me yes it's a good business yes it's cheap but is it going to do well no I don't think so I think I want to see the commodity <laughs> turn around, I want to see a bottom in the commodity price before I jump into any resource stock. Unla- unless you're in the big two miners which are giving a bit of diversification. Right. This is one single commodity place. So for me, Gaurav and I have had arguments over this one before, so <laughs> it's, a, it's not a new argument. But it, it is one where I basically wait for the commodity yeah. and then I'm jumping in. Because our market has a ridiculously high track record of ignoring bounces in the commodity and yeah. ignoring stocks after a prolonged down cycle, so you get pretty good timing lag. Let the commodity run and then chase yeah. the stock. So
2: I'm waiting for the commodity to move. Yeah, um, Gorab's on a roll here. Uh, a yes to the last four stocks. Um, he's sledged to where uh, Nathan is. He's being a wuss today. Uh, <laughs> Nathan's only got one, and that's Telstra. Uh, Credit Corp ever gets below ten bucks, there's a good one. So. Data 3, both guys um, say no to that. Um, uh, Gorav likes Credit Court. Nathan would if it was around $10. Bucks. Uh, BWX, a yes from uh, Gaurav, a no from Nathan. Uh, Telstra, a big tick from both. And uh, New Hope, a, um, a good buying opportunity from Gaurav. And uh, fair to say Nathan thinks he's got rocks in his head for, uh, for that recommendation. So let's move on to the second half. It is... Half time in the call, our sixth stock, uh, Brickworks, Gorav, a really interesting business, uh, this one, because everyone just thinks, uh, just makes bricks, it's a bit of a quarry, but it's uh, a pretty decent property developer as well, isn't it?
0: Yeah, so this is actually related to, to New Hope. Um, uh, the... Yeah. The big large investor in both yeah. Brickworks and um, New Hope is uh, Washington Solpats. and uh, all three companies um, share cross shareholdings and they share board members as well. They also share a fantastic management philosophy and um, a conservatism that has that has uh, made them fantastic investments over the long term. Um, now I'm not quite sure what's going on on the show today because basically a lot of our portfolio seems to be on show today, um, and Brickworks is is another one of those. This is actually um, a far superior business than anyone um, imagines it is. I often see brokers just compare Brickworks to the likes of CSR or um, Boral. The truth is that Bricks actually make up a small part of this business, and and a large chunk of it comes from a 40% odd holding in Solpats, which is itself a diversified investment company, um, and, but you're right, David, the The property business is fantastic. And when, what happens is once brick quarries expire, um, uh, over decades, that land that contained the bricks actually turns into quite valuable real estate. And uh, the company has uh, joined in a JV with Goodman Group and been redeveloping those old quarries into industrial um, estates. Um, so they, they take a piece of profit on developing that property and then they earn ongoing rental returns from leasing that as very large warehouses or industrial property. Um, I think that's worth um, between $701 billion alone, just their half of the property business. Uh, And then you've got their their stake in uh, Solpats and uh, a healthy little operating business in terms of making bricks in Australia. They've also gone off and diversified into making bricks in the US and they've bought some high-quality brick businesses there. And and over there, a lot of their um, brick revenues actually come from restorations and the sale of architectural bricks. So it's not as lousy as you might think a brick Brickmaker to be. I think this is actually a high quality business and um, it's available at, uh, at a discount to its um, asset backing today, which is a rare occurrence in a company mm-hmm. like this. This is a buyer. Okay.
1: Nathan? Yep, Gaurav's right. When I looked at the list, I thought, oh my God, Gaurav's going to love this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> our Brickworks, by far, one of the better quality businesses. Okay. It's just in the wrong part of the cycle um that's why it's getting hammered yep. earnings downgrades have been playing out for a, about a good year um it's you know when it got down to the 12 to 13 dollars that's near its fair value what it is but it should be trading at a premium uh-huh. um well if you look at the fundamental data it looks ugly macro looks ugly um that's why i thought grab would love it yeah. um, it's high quality with a bad macro earnings are all sliding but i think this is such good quality this is the levels you want to buy in okay. um, you never know when bottom is in most cases so high quality businesses I would always look to buy near fair value and then if it goes lower I'll buy a bit more so yep. I wouldn't buy the whole thing around here I'd probably buy 50% see how the market goes if it falls yep. I'll buy more I think this is one of those businesses you look year two years down the track you're going to be better
2: off okay so
1: I'm comfortable buying it okay
2: so soul pets um, investment company has both New Hope and Brickworks in it, would you buy Solpads rather than those two if you wanted sort of portfolio exposure?
1: Um, you would. I mean, this is, uh, I, as Gaurav mentioned before, it's complex as it is trying to work out one of these right. things okay. <laughs> when you go to soil patch you create a lot of moving parts it's a, it gets a lot harder right. i guess when you're stock picking i want to get the exposure that i want right. um you know rather than getting a mix yeah but in reality patch is priced for that so i would say yes i mean right. someone like a value investor should look at soil patch because they have a history of doing really well and i think yeah. they'll they will do well yeah. so i'm
2: oh would you do Soul Pets and wrap up New Hope and Brickworks in the one investment with with a few others?
0: Soul is is really close to being a buy, but it's slightly dearer than right. the other two. It is a good way if you, if you. It's a good way of getting exposure, particularly to New Hope, which is a little bit hairier than some of the other businesses yeah. we mentioned. It's, if New Hope does well, then then Soulpats will will do well. So it's a good way of getting exposure to New Hope in particular. Brickworks is cheaper than Solpats at the moment, right. so my preference would probably be to go with... Direct. I think Solpats okay. is probably boosted by TPG. Right, I'm okay.
2: I'm guessing, from right. memory. Okay. Um, our seventh stock, uh, Nathan South 32, of course, um, the old some of the old BHP assets, uh, south of the 32 degrees uh, latitude. What do you think?
1: Um, look, this is the problem with the commodity space at the moment. We, we like the macro that's potentially coming, yeah. but it hasn't come through yet. Right. Everyone in the market knows that resources are cheap. Yeah. Uh, everyone knows that China at some point will throw stimulus, but that hasn't happened yet. The, and while you have tariff threats hanging over between US and China, that's not really going to, you know, I suppose, support the view that they're going to be doing stimulus in the short term. So it might be a, a few months away. So do I jump in and buy it? It's really a punt on China. So the big ones that you basically have a no-brainer play is BHB Rio in a pullback uh, because you know they're diversified big and so forth. This is probably the next one on that shopping list. Uh, It's more of a base metals play. Base base metals have actually had a bit of a bounce. So I'd say it's looking interesting. Um, It is cheap, and I think it's an interesting play. It's a risk return. Um, So for me, I'd probably lean towards buying it here. Yeah. but, but again, it's white. not the high conviction. I probably, um, in my models, I'm sitting with BHP Rio at the moment. Right. And if I see a bit more recovery in the commodities, I see a bit more turnaround in China, then I would be moving into something okay. to do. Uh Gora? Yeah, um, so
0: this is a buy for me as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't mean to sound like a raging bull, but um, it's just the, the the kind of, by, by luck, the stocks mentioned today just happen to be ones that we like and own at the moment. Um, We've got a good history with South32. We were one of the first to um, recommend it when it split from BHP, and I watched um, enthusiastically as the share price halved um, after we bought it, <laughs> and then um, and then very quickly sort of uh, more than tripled afterwards. Um, it's one that doesn't get the attention, um, all the kudos it probably deserves. It has a modest resource base, but what it does have is it's got. Management with a bit of hustle, Um, you know, we're used to thinking now of BHP and Rio as being good capital allocators um, good managers, but the truth is for most of their existence, they've been lousy at both and South 32 from the moment it was born was uh, Came into being with wonderful management who put return on capital at the forefront of all their investment decisions they had an excellent uh, method of allocating capital that was well beyond BHP in Rio. In many ways, they were ahead of their time. It's actually the big guys who've been cap- um, copying some of what South32 has already been doing. Um, that's why they've turned into good managers. Um, but South32 has been there for a long time. Um, it's the world's largest and lowest cost producer of manganese, a significant producer of alumina. They've got some really good development assets that don't really show up in the earnings but will be developed in the next, say, five years or so. So there's a good latent growth potential in this business. And what's more, you can buy it now for a very healthy discount um, to to asset value. Um, I think this is the right time in the cycle to be looking at a business like this. Commodity businesses aren't buy and hold forever, but um, a lot of investors just don't want to look at them. They just swear off them. And that's the opportunity for people who, um, who do want to um, uh, are willing to buy and sell it in different cycles. This is the time to be buying South 32.
2: Okay, all right. So a tick from both the uh, the guys on South 32, although Nathan would steer towards BHP and Rio at um, this moment. Uh, at this moment. Um, our next stock: um a uh, uh, ordinate, a uh, digital audio visual technology business with. Uh, with the Dante platform is the thing they like to promote out of this, um, a really interesting business.
0: Yeah, I've been I've been barking about this one uh, yeah. into Nathan's ear for many many years. Actually, he's going to be shaking his head that this one came up. Um, right, and, and he we, didn't um, listen. We own this. <laughs> he probably didn't listen. Yes, um, yeah, we own we own this one as well. I have owned it, owned it for some time. Um, this is a really exciting little business. And when you're looking at this, you have to ignore uh, the multiples and um, ignore the financials for a little while because what they're doing for the moment is trying to build out um, a network. Um, so what they do is they, they, they uh, make the protocol, which is a microchip and a piece of software that, that turns um, uh, audio and video signals from analog to digital. So when you're setting up um, networks of um, AV installations, you don't have to have um, audio cables running all over the place. You set them up as a computer network, which is much easier in terms of setup, and then you can manipulate um, the network um, digitally uh, because the signals are all converted di- into digital signals. So it's it's a hugely value-adding proposition, and the entire AV industry is now turning into um, a digital business um, and it's doing yeah. that using audio uh, uh, ordinates um protocol which is called dante it's It's sort of eight times as many it's in eight times as many devices as its next nearest competitor. I think the competition is now become irrelevant and this is a little yeah. network monopoly in the making. imagine what um what Bluetooth would be yeah. if it was profitable and you get an idea about the potential for Ordinate um, in the years to come. I think this could be a billion-dollar business um, okay. in the future, and I think it's, uh, it's a
1: buy today. And, uh,
2: Nathan, have you been listening?
1: Yeah, he harassed me around 4, <laughs> four to $5 uh, on a weekly basis uh, about this one. And I did have a look, and he was right, and right. he's still right. And I right. think the key thing what grav just said is, the important thing is, it's a platform stock. Yep what they're doing has become the base case on how you do things and that's the key thing so they're in a market share it's they're selling you a dream but it's a bloody good dream right right Uh, i think grabs right i think this is one of the ones that you want to bet as a platform stock to be the beneficiary of the rollout into the future um they have a lot more upside once you are the platform to throw out new products and new offerings on top of that um, look, it's bounced. It got collapsed because of the lockdown, no music yep. festivals, all of those things. Everyone panicked, and this got smacked. It's a small cap, and it's now uh, doubled, yep. more than doubled, uh, yep. back to six bucks. Uh, look, longer term picture. I think it's this is this could be potentially an altium in the making. Right. So this is what six bucks now. I think you know I'm going to shoot Graf's brains out now. It can go fifteen, sixteen dollars. Um, this is a platform stock pick,
2: pick yourself up off the floor. <laughs> He's listened. He's become a disciple.
1: Well, you know, we, we have our arguments, <laughs> but you know, sometimes he is actually right. And I, I have to accept that he
2: picked this early. I'll
1: give him credit. There's a few that he picks early. Yeah. I mean, not value investors not always struggle. He does pick pretty good stocks. Yeah, and this yeah. is one, it is a very high quality business. And I think this could go a long way. It's run hard a bit, it is a illiquid stock, so in a market panic it'll come off. Yeah. So my best advice would be to wait for the pullback and this will come off a bit yeah. and buy into it and then just leave it in the drawer for the next couple of years and you'll be happy. Okay,
2: all right, a big tick from uh, from both Gorab and Mayton for order date. Um, will there be a similar size tick for Omedia? Um, Nathan?
1: Oh, this is so ugly. Gaurav <laughs> would just love this one. It's it's got everything. I mean, the management had problems. There was M and A that fell over. Yeah. Um, it's outdoor media, and there's no Ad, one outdoor, outdoor advertising. <laughs> exactly, isn't it? and
2: lifts in office buildings. Exactly, from, and transport
1: locations. Yeah. I mean, basically, no one's outdoor. No one's watching. it's, yeah. it's been smashed. Um, it is probably the value buy. Uh, for the media sector, it's probably not going to do well, oh, probably six months, 12 months, just accept that it's going to be bad. Yep. And then on the other side of it, it's probably one of the few that has a structural upside where when everything's come back. I, I actually think it's one of those plays where a lot of the tech giants who want to advertise a lot of people and show the online play should yeah. take these things over. Um, so it's been priced so cheap. I think there's a cyclical upside for it. So oh, okay. I'm positive because it's so ugly.
2: Okay. All right. Gorev.
1: Yeah, I am. This is
0: interesting. Look, we haven't we haven't upgraded it. We don't own it. Um, but it's interesting. The the big problem with it at the moment is just it's carrying too much debt, and the balance sheet is a bit of a worry. Um, no one's outdoors, revenue has collapsed and it will stay low for a while. It was struggling cyclically anyway, well before the pandemic started. Um, but it's got it's, it's, its balance sheet, is the main problem, and that's probably keeping me away. It might be worth just buying a small bit and looking for the recapitalization right. to come yeah. um, and participating in that. But for now, when you know, we, we've just today talked about sort of five or six interesting buy ideas. I don't think one needs to go too much down the risk curve and take on right. balance sheet risk um, to do to do well. So for me, this is just um, a hold or an avoid. Um, as I said, it's an inter- interesting strategy to buy a little bit now and, and wait for the recap. Um, but it is getting very interesting, actually. I can see a case for, for this doing better. Um, it is a strategic asset. Um, all these um, outdoor out all locations they've got stitched up and the industry structure is really attractive after there's been several bouts of consolidation. It's also um, they're digitizing their billboards across their network. Yeah. And once you digitize a billboard, um you can increase the yield on that billboard by showing multiple ads on it. Um you, you lower your costs because you don't have to send guys up there to to change the, the paperwork all the time. Um, it, in, it makes it a more resilient business. Um, so there are things to like here, but but it's going to have to be a no because of balance okay. sheet concerns. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, maybe put it on your watch list going forward. Um, yeah. Talking about an industry on its knees, um, the car industry at the moment. Uh, AMA Group in the they say automotive aftercare services and accessories. What do you reckon, Nathan?
1: Ah, uh, 25 months of consecutive negative car sales. Yeah. Um, Oh, look the bad news is priced in um mm. it's probably got you know it's not again it's a bit like omedia yeah it's pretty I much I it's it. been beaten yeah. up there's going to be issues with balances there's going to be issues about profits in the short term but again this was trading a dollar 40 it's now 40 50 cents. Yeah. Um, yes we know the bad news we yeah. know consumers are going to be weak it's probably going to struggle over the next 12 to 18 months this is not going to be the one that you want to jump in quickly but it's one that's potentially like Omedia as Gaurav said, you buy a bit, see how it goes, and if it, if, it, you know, if it starts to recover, things improve in the economy, then you buy a bit more. Okay. All right. It's not one you need to rush into.
2: Gaurav?
0: We've taken a good look at this. This is a really interesting little business. Um, so again, we, we don't own any yet, but geez, it's been very tempting. So the bulk of this business is actually um, Smash Repairs. It's a consolidator of sorts. It goes around. Um, it's it's consolidating the um, the smash repair business, and usually I hate consolidators. I think aggregators are some of the worst business models on the ASX, and they almost always fail. This one is a little bit different because when they when they um, purchase or set up a new um, uh, crash repairer, with it comes an enormous amount of buying power. So they actually generate economies of scale. And then they also tie up all their um locations together and they go into the back end of the two dominant insurance businesses and they have um contracted agreements with those insurance businesses that funnel accident claims through its network and so the the, it's large network as long as it's getting claims running through the network you actually have very good utilization of assets and quite high returns on capital it's it's a better quality business than you might think Um, But that only works in normal conditions when there are lots of accidents going on. When no one's on the road, um, the network is incredibly unprofitable. And ordinarily, I wouldn't mind that, but because they've recently taken a large acquisition on board, the balance sheet is a mess. There is far too much debt sitting there. There is a capital raise coming, um, and it could be heavily discounted. But post the capital raise, a, a post balance sheet repair, this is a very intriguing little business. And again, um, for a smaller investor, buying a little bit now and then um, joining the recap um, effort is probably a worthwhile enterprise. It's it's okay. um, uh, it it can turn around cars faster than anyone else in the industry by some margin, um, and the the businesses it acquires, it generally gets their margins up to around ten percent in quick time. So. Um, it's It's a well-managed little business. Um, and I think if not for balance sheet concerns it'll be a buy. very speculative um, with this man of debt.
2: Yeah and, and almost make them buy a couple of shares so you can you can get in on a heavily discounted yeah. raise.
1: Yeah, these are the stocks you want to buy, you know 20, thirty percent off what you want to buy., yeah. see how it goes. If Let's there's a pullback, away. you buy a bit more and then wait for the cap raising, yeah. as Gorev said. most likely, most of these struggling businesses that have been decimated uh, will have to come back and raise and you get that discount in it, so then average down with it.
2: Well, that brings us to the end of our 10. I promised at the start, these two are a lot of fun and uh, a lot of great information. They haven't disappointed again. Um, Let's just recap the final five. A yes for Brickworks from both Gorav and Mathan, a yes for South32, although, um, Maton would prefer BHP and Rio at this stage. Uh, a big positive tick from both for Ordinate, um, O Media and AMA, uh, sort of very ugly stocks at the moment, ugly sectors, but interesting to watch going forward once the cycle changes. Uh, fair summation, Reckon. Perfect. Uh, guys, really loved having you today. Uh, Gaurav Sodi from InvestBart, thanks for your. Uh, uh, time this morning. Really appreciate it. And Maiton Somers-Andaram from Blue Ocean Equities. Uh, again, always great having you on the panel.
1: Lovely.
2: That's it for The Call for this Monday. Catch your same time tomorrow. Midday Australian Eastern Standard Time with another 10 stocks that you've suggested. If you want to suggest some of the stocks, um, you can email those suggestions through to thecall at osbiz.com.au or just put them on our Twitter feed the handle there ozbiz tv <laughs>